This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Maria Elmlang, Copenhagen, Denmark, October 2006. The Rosary by Florence Barclay. Chapter 6. The Veil is Lifted. Miss Champion! Oh, here you are! Your turn next, please. The last item of the local programme is in course of performance, after which the Duchess explains Velma's laryngitis. Let's hope she'll not curl it appendicitis. And then I usher you up. Are you ready? Garth Domain, as master of ceremonies, had sought Jane Champion on the terrace, and stood before her in the soft light of the hanging Chinese lanterns. The crimson rambler in his buttonhole, and his red silk socks, which matched it, lent an artistic touch of colour to the conventional black and white of his evening clothes. Jane looked up from the comfortable depths of a wicker chair, then smiled at his anxious face. "'I am ready,' she said, and rising, walked beside him. "'Has it gone well?' she asked. "'Is it a good audience?' "'Packed,' replied Garth. "'And the Duchess has enjoyed herself. "'It has been funnier than usual. "'But now comes the event of the evening.' "'I say, where's your score?' "'Thanks,' said Jane. "'I shall play it from memory. "'It obviates the butt of turning over.' They passed into the concert room, and stood behind screens and a curtain, close to the half-dozen steps leading from the side up onto the platform. "'Oh, hark to the Duchess,' whispered Garth. "'My niece, Jane Champion, has kindly consented to step into the breach, "'which means that you will have to step up onto that platform in another half-minute.' Really, it would be kinder to you if she said less about Velma. But never mind, they are prepared to like anything. There, appendicitis, I told you so. Poor Madame Velma, let us hope it won't get into the local papers. Oh, goodness, she's going to enlarge in newfangled diseases. Well, it gives us a moment's breathing space. I say, Miss Champion, I was chaffing this afternoon about shops and flats. I can play that accompaniment for you if you like. No? Well, just as you think best. But remember, it takes a lot of voice to make much effect in this concert room, and the place is crowded. Now, the Duchess has done. Come on, mind the bottom step. Hang it all, how dark it is behind this curtain. Garth gave her his hand, and Jane mounted the steps, and passed into view of the large audience assembled in the Overdean concert room. Her tall figure seemed taller than usual, as she walked alone across the rather high platform. She wore a black evening gown of soft material, without lace at her bosom and one string of pearls around her neck. When she appeared, the audience gazed at her and applauded doubtfully. Velma's name on the programme had raised great expectations, and here was Miss Champion, who certainly played very nicely, but was not supposed to be able to sing, volunteering to sing Velma's song. A more kindly audience would have cheered her to the echo, voicing its generous appreciation of her effort and sanguine expectation of her success. This audience expressed its astonishment in the dubiousness of its faint applause. Jane smiled at them good-naturedly, sat down at the piano, a Bechstein grand, glanced at the festoons of white roses and the cross of crimson ramblers, then, without further preliminaries, struck the opening chord and commenced to sing. The deep, perfect voice thrilled through the room. A sudden breathless hush fell upon the audience. Each syllable penetrated the silence, borne on a tone so tender and so amazingly sweet, that casual hearts stood still and marvelled at their own emotion, 
and those who felt deeply already responded with a yet deeper thrill to the magic of that music. The hours I spent with thee, dear heart, are as a string of pearls to me. I count them over, every one apart. My rosary, my rosary. Softly, thoughtfully, tenderly, the last two words were breathed into the silence, holding a world of reminiscence, a large-hearted woman's faithful remembrance of tender moments in the past. The listening crowd held its breath. This was not a song. This was the throbbing of a heart, and it throbbed in the tones of such sweetness that tears started unbidden. Then the voice, which had rendered the opening lines so quietly, rose in a rapid crescendo of quivering pain. Each hour a pearl, each pearl a prayer, to still a heart in absence wrung. I tell each bead until the end, and there a cross is hung. The last four words were given with a sudden power and passion which electrified the assembly. In the pause which followed could be heard the tension of feeling produced. But in another moment the quiet voice fell soothingly, expressing a strength of endurance which would fail in no crisis, nor fear to face any depths of pain, yet gathering to itself a poignancy of sweetness, rendered richer by the discipline of suffering. O oh, memories that bless and burn, O oh, barren gain and bitter loss, I kiss each bead and strive at last to learn to kiss the cross, to kiss the cross. Only those who have heard Jane sing the rosary can possibly realize how she sang, I kiss each bead. The lingering retrospection in each word breathed out a love so womanly, so beautiful, so tender, that her identity was forgotten even by those in the audience who knew her best, in the magic of her rendering of the song. The accompaniment which opens with a single chord closes with a single note. Jane struck it softly, lingeringly, then rose, turned from the piano, and was leaving the platform when a sudden burst of wild applause broke from the audience. Jane hesitated, paused, then looked at her aunt's guests, as if almost surprised to find them there. Then a slow smile dawned in her eyes and passed to her lips. She stood in the centre of the platform for a moment, awkwardly, almost shyly, then moved on as men's voices began to shout, Encore! Core! and left the platform by the side staircase. But there behind the scenes, in the semi-darkness of screens and curtains, a fresh surprise awaited Jane, more startling than the enthusiastic tumult of her audience. At the foot of the staircase stood Garth Dalmain. His face was absolutely colourless, and his eyes shone out from it like burning stars. He remained motionless until she stepped from the last stair and stood close to him. Then, with a sudden movement, he caught her by the shoulders and turned her round. "'Go back!' he said, and the overmastering need quivering in his voice drew Jane's eyes to his in mute astonishment. "'Go back at once, and sing it all over again, note for note.' Word for word, just as before. Oh, don't stand here waiting. Go back now. Go back at once. Don't you know that you must? Jane looked into those shining eyes. Something she saw in them excused the brusque command of his tone. Without a word, she quietly mounted the steps and walked across the platform to the piano. People were still applauding and redoubled their demonstration of delight as she appeared. But Jane took a seat at the instrument without giving them a thought. 
she was experiencing a very curious and unusual sensation. Never before in her whole life had she obeyed a peremptory command. In her childhood's day, Fraulein and Miss Jebb soon found out that they could only obtain their desires by means of carefully worded requests or pathetic appeals to her good feelings and sense of right. An unreasonable order, or a reasonable one unexplained, promptly met with a point-blank refusal. And this characteristic still obtained, though modified by time, and even the Duchess, as a rule, said please to Jane. But now a young man, with a white face and blazing eyes, had unceremoniously swung her round, ordered her up the stairs, and commanded her to sing a song over again, note for note, word for word, and she was meekly going to obey? As she took a seat, Jane suddenly made up her mind not to sing the rosary again. She had many finer songs in her repertoire. The audience expected another. Why should she disappoint those expectations? Because of the imperious demands of a very highly excited boy? She commenced the magnificent prelude to Handel's Where You Walk. But as she played it, her sense of truth and justice intervened. She had not come back to sing again at the bidding of a highly excited boy, but of a deeply moved man, and his emotion was of no ordinary kind. That Garth Dalmain should have been so moved as to forget even momentarily his punctuous courtesy of manner was the highest possible tribute to her art and to her song. While she played the Handel theme, and played it so that a whole orchestra seemed marshalled upon the keyboard under those strong, firm fingers, she suddenly realised though scarcely understanding it, the must of which Garth had spoken, and made up her mind to yield to its necessity. So when the opening bars were ended, instead of singing the grand song from Semiel, she passed for a moment, struck once more the rosary's opening chord, and did as Garth had bidden her to do. The hours I spent with thee, dear heart, are as a string of pearls to me. I count them over, every one apart. My rosary my rosary. Each hour a pearl, each pearl a prayer, to still a heart in absence wrung. I tell each bead until the end, and there a cross is hung. O memories that bless and burn, O barren gain and bitter loss, I kiss each bead and strive at last to learn, to kiss the cross, to kiss the cross. When Jane left the platform, Garth was still standing motionless at the foot of the stairs, his face was just as white as before, but his eyes had lost that terrible look of unshed tears which had sent her back, at his bidding, without a word of question or remonstrance. A wonderful light now shone in them, a light of adoration, which touched Jane's heart, because she had never before seen anything like it. She smiled as she came slowly down the steps, and held out both hands to him, with an unconscious movement of gracious friendliness. Garth stepped close to the bottom of the staircase and took them in his, while she was still on the step above him. For a moment he did not speak, then in a low voice, vibrant with emotion. My God, he said. Oh, my God. Hush, said Jane. I never like to hear that name spoken lightly, Dal. Spoken lightly, he exclaimed. No speaking lightly would ever be possible for me tonight. Every perfect gift is from above. When words fail me to speak of the gift, can you wonder if I apostrophize the giver? Jane looked steadily into his shining eyes, and a smile of pleasure illuminated her own. So you liked my song, she said. Liked? Liked your song? repeated Garth, a shade of perplexity crossing his face. 
I do not know whether I liked your song. Then why this flattering demonstration? inquired Jane, laughing. Because, said Garth very low, you lifted the veil, and I, I passed within. He was still holding her hands in his, and, as he spoke the last two words, he turned them gently over, and, bending, kissed each palm with an indescribably tender reverence. Then, loosing them, stood on one side, and Jane went out onto the terrace alone. End of chapter 6